Welcome to On Your Own Terms. I'm Patty Talbot, and this is the place where we learn together what it takes to change the world on our own terms and in our own special way. When we show up in all of our fullness and let our lights shine and find our courage within ourselves, then we are more likely to make the difference that we were put on this planet Earth to make. Today, my guest is Jenna Banks. Jenna is a speaker and the author of the most wonderful book, I Love Me More. You'll wanna hear from Jenna today and learn about her homegrown solutions for this patchwork world we share, because you're going to learn that even though she had a kind of rough beginning in life, she overcome in the biggest way possible when she stepped into her own personal power. Here is Jenna Banks. I grew up in a very strict, religious, kind of cult-like environment. I was the oldest of five, the only one from a different mother, the first wife of my father. We went to church, you know, all the time. I went to a Christian school. I was very, very sheltered. And, you know, my stepmom was a stay-at-home mom. She pretty much put God first, then my father, then the kids, and her own needs never made it on her list of priorities. And that was my model at home, you know, for what a woman is. And my father, you know, was the opposite of that. He, he was uh, rule, he ruled with an iron fist. He was the, the head of the household. We were, you know, often spanked until uh, we were crying, bruised, and sometimes bleeding. And, you know, we grew up very poor. We often survived on food stamps, coupon clipping, donations from the church. It was a very tough, oppressive environment. And at some point by the age of 14, I decided I couldn't take the oppression any longer. And I decided to leave my father's home. I was full of fear when I confronted him on it. But the truth is, once I did get that out, like said my piece on that, it actually felt really good to me. It felt empowered, like I was taking my power for the first time in my life. And I felt very hopeful and optimistic about the future. That said, you know, I ended up bouncing around from various friends and family's homes. I would work in retail after school to get by. I really was on my own. And by the time I was age 17, I dropped out of high school, got my GED. By the time I was 19, I was pregnant and married in that order. By the time I was 22, I was a divorced, broke, single mom. I suffered from suicidal tendencies. And I literally landed in the hospital in a coma for like a week after my final attempt. That was a turning point for me as I recovered from that. And I realized, okay, I'm obviously not able to kill myself right now. I might need to just change my perspective. And, um, and I, I'll be honest with you, getting pregnant, I think really changed things for me because it gave me a sense of purpose and love that I didn't have before. So having my young son really did help to keep me grounded, but it really was just having him to keep me grounded and going, okay, death is now not an option. What, what am I going to do now? And that's when it just really shifted for me. So that was my shift. So you would think that the cards were stacked against me, but literally I saw it as an opportunity to have a fresh start. And so I, I just changed the trajectory of my life from that point on. I said, I don't want to be in survival mode any longer. I really want to see what I'm capable of achieving in life. And so that became my compass. I started reading books 
on things like uh, spirituality, evolutionary psychology, personal development. I got very interested in the world around me because now I had the opportunity to really see it from my perspective without the influence of family um, and religion and all of that. And so I started to develop my own perspective on life. Now, I did go on to have a successful career in corporate. I worked in management and corporate leadership roles. I had a mid-six-figure career in my 20s. In my 30s, I started a startup that I later sold for half a million dollars. And then I uh, bought and sold multiple investment properties for six-figure profits. But truly along the way, I discovered that, that there were people who would try to have power over me, that I, it was like, I had to learn how to navigate that. Like they would really try to devalue me personally and professionally. So whether it was in relationships or working with bosses that would try to devalue me, I had to learn how to figure out how to navigate that because I was raised like many women to be people pleasers to not have any boundaries, to self-sacrifice my own needs and worry about taking care of everyone else ahead of myself. And so I had to figure out how to navigate those situations. I also found that there were so many social norms that we were brought up with that teach women disempowering, self-sacrificing uh, behaviors that really work to our disadvantage. So I had to learn about that and how to navigate that and change those things for myself. And then also the, the gender programming and, and uh, the gender roles that are put out by an outdated system. So you go into our corporate system and there are just all these gender roles and stereotypes that seem to inform everything. So I really had to figure out how to navigate that on my own because None of the books I read taught me any of that Without stuff. It and, you know. One of my stories really impacted somebody pretty powerfully. And, and it was at the right time in my life when I thought, you know, what do I want to do with my career next? I had just sold my company and I knew I wanted to make an impact in the lives of people in a bigger way than I'd done before, not just in business and doing you know, great service for my clients or my employees. I wanted to make an impact you know, in the world. And one of my stories really changed a girlfriend of mine's life pretty, pretty profoundly. And I thought, God, that's really, that's pretty powerful. If she didn't know this information that I took for granted, that I learned on my own, imagine how many more lives I could touch if I get out there and start putting my message out there. So I decided to write my book and then I got into public speaking that I'm doing now. And yeah, just getting the message out there as much as I can through social media and, and you name it. First, when I started writing my book, I thought I really wanted to just focus on self-love because that was the area I saw that needed where women really need the most help because we are conditioned and programmed to believe that uh, putting ourselves first would be selfish. But that's how I equate self-love is really making your needs your number one priority, making your happiness your number one priority. And so it's not enough to really love yourself because a lot of people say, well, yeah, I have self-love, but my book is titled, I Love Me More, How to Find Happiness and Success Through Self-Love because it's about the more, you know, it's not enough to love ourselves. We have to love ourselves more, more than our husband or partner or wife, more than the boss, more than our kids, more than our family. Like we have to love ourselves first. And by doing so, it's not selfish. Like we're programmed to believe it's actually the best thing you could do for yourself and everyone around you, because you're coming from a more powerful 
place, powerful. So that brings me to my next thing, which is while I was writing the book, my uh, developmental editor helped me make the connection with love and power for me. This has always been a theme in my life, but I never connected the dots myself, you know, until I started writing the book. And then I realized, oh my God, it's so true that, you know, I shared my story about leaving my father's home at 14. I took my power back. I was in this oppressive kind of situation and I wasn't able to express myself and be in my power. And so having that expression of being able to take my power back for the first time was something I never wanted to let go of again and never ever wanted anyone to have any power over me again in my life. And that became a theme, even though it wasn't conscious. And so now that is part of my message because I truly believe that your love is your power. That is my saying. When we love ourselves First, we power ourselves up from within, and this has a dramatic effect on how we show up in the world, and this in turn influences how other people value us and treat us. So this trickles down into our relationships. It affects how we're treated at work, how we're respected at work. If you are an ambitious woman like I am and was, it allows you to be treated with more respect and as a woman, you know, like I mentioned the gender roles and stereotypes that I was facing when I was going through corporate and how to figure out how to navigate that gave me an even playing field because I wouldn't let others have power over me. And I had power within. So there's two types of power. There's the power, external power, which most of us are familiar with, which is having power over other people. We see people with the money, they have power over other people, people with fame, people with political, social, religious influences, they have power over other people. Someone in a position of hierarchy at work or school has power over other people. And as women, we tend to not want to associate ourselves with power because we see it as this kind of controlling, manipulative thing. And we also tend to associate it as like a masculine trait. So the type of power I'm referring to is completely different. It has nothing to do with having power over anybody. It's having power within. And that's a major, major difference. But when we love ourselves first, we power ourselves up from within. And guess what happens? There's this equalizing of this power differential, because think of it like this, me coming from my self-sacrificing, people-pleasing, no boundaries background. And I go into interview and someone's got this position of power over me. Here I am just wanting a job and wanting to break into corporate. It's scary. This person has a position of power over me and you're just like, uh, okay, they can make me or break me. They can determine whether or not I have to feed my child with or whatever. You know what I mean? Like that's a lot of power to have over someone. But if you can come in with this power over yourself, this, it gives you a confidence, a self-respect, something that can only come when you, when you love yourself more when you know that and when you trust yourself and you trust your intuition and all the the topics that surround self-love that I talk about in my book when you come from that place of knowing yourself so well and trusting yourself and loving yourself it equalizes that it's a game changer 
Because you go into an interview and all of a sudden it's like, well, this is a powerful person, but I don't have the money at the time. I didn't have the money. I didn't have the power over anybody else. I had power over myself. And that really is a game changer. And so that's my message is we, as women, we should want to be powerful, full of our own power instead of going, no, I don't want, I don't want power. You know, and imagine, you know, if this world were full of powerful women, what kind of a world we'd be living in today, you know? Who here sees themselves as incredibly powerful by a show of hands? Yeah, look around. Not many. In fact, a study conducted by the Harvard Business School revealed that women are uncomfortable being powerful. Most women see power as a masculine trait. We tend to think of a powerful person as someone who has power over other people, so we don't want anything to do with it. And I get that. But could this unconscious rejection of owning our power be holding us back from achieving our full potential? Many years ago, I was in a new job in Silicon Valley. We're just about to start a company-wide meeting. I'm chatting with the president for the very first time. Then he says, it would be nice to have some coffee, Jenna. Wouldn't you like some coffee? I actually didn't want any coffee, so I responded, no thanks, I don't drink coffee this late in the day. My boss is sitting right across from me. I swore I saw a fly go in and out. <laughs> It's awkwardly silent, and I am feeling out of the loop as to what's going on. Then my colleague Mike does his best to break the uncomfortable silence, and he says, Hey, Jenna, I know you like a good Starbucks latte. Wouldn't you like one right now? No, Mike, seriously, if I have coffee this late in the day, I will be awake all night long. <laughs> the meeting went on. Everyone survived without coffee. At the end of the day, I'm in my boss's office. The president is also there. He turns to me and says, you know, Jenna, I really look up to you. I'm clueless as to where this compliment's coming from, but said, thanks, probably because I'm wearing heels. <laughs> on my drive up windy Highway 17, I'm reflecting on the day, the coffee situation, the I look up to you compliment, then it hits me. Those guys fully expected me to get them coffee. <laughs> and were shocked when I didn't. But it didn't even occur to me to get them coffee because I didn't want any. My needs were my highest priority, not theirs, which is not how most women have been conditioned to behave. And it resulted in me gaining their respect. And later, a big promotion. The kind of power I'm talking about is not about having power over others. It's different. It's about harnessing and containing our own power, the power that women have been conditioned not to want. I'd like you to imagine with me that you have an internal power container and you're either operating on powerful or powerless. 
I'm going to give you five ways that you are drained and five ways to fill up your power container. most influenced my life were not necessarily people I encountered. For example, one of the biggest influences on my life have been some of my spiritual teachers through books and other methods of learning. So Deepak Chopra, I have to tell you, his seven spiritual laws of success, it's a tiny little book. Mine is worn so well. <laughs> I've read it probably 50 times. It's had such a massive influence on my life. I'd read it at work. I'd read it in the morning. I'd read it at night. Like I, I just love that book. And still to this day, I will still pick it up and read a passage and it feeds my soul just as much. But, you know, I have to say, I'm clicking, I'm connecting some dots here as I'm, I'm saying this to you because, you know, he talks about how we, when we're focused on external objects and we're, we're informed by these external objects, it's a very insecure, fearful place to be because you're always relying on these other objects for everything, including power, if you think about it. Like, let's say, for example, Harvey Weinstein, like he, he had a bunch of power over these women that he victimized, but once he was in prison, he doesn't have that power anymore. You know, it's an external situation. When we place our focus on external objects, it's, it's just a very insecure, fearful place to be. When we place our awareness within and our spirit is our reference point, then you'll never be insecure or fearful because that is, you know, that is unwavering who you are and you can trust in that and have faith um, in that. So yeah, so I'd say Deepak Chopra definitely had a, just all the spiritual texts that I've read. I've, I've really made that like, that, that to me was more profound than anything. And I'm still to this day reading so many of those texts just to reinforce that programming because the truth of the matter is we are programmed by what comes into our world. It was amazing researching for my book and researching for this talk. I learned that 95% of our beliefs and behaviors are programmed into our minds by the age of just seven years old. We didn't choose most of our beliefs and behaviors. They are passed on to us from our parents and their parents before them and their parents before them. And we don't even think about it. Like for example, today, I was cracking eggs to make to make myself, I like uh, over easy eggs. And I was putting the eggshells back in the egg carton. Now my boyfriend pointed out to me the other day, he's like, that is so unusual that you put the eggshells back in the egg carton and then put that back in the fridge. <laughs> and I was like, I was like, well, how do you do it? He's like, well, I always throw them away. Like I take the eggs out of the egg carton. I put the egg carton back in the fridge and then I break the eggs and throw them away. And I thought, okay, I never, you know, I just, it never occurred to me to do it that way because that wasn't the way I was raised. It was something I was doing completely unconsciously because that was what was modeled to me when I was young. And it's the same thing with our beliefs and behaviors, right? This is good. That's bad. That's right. That's wrong. Girls do this, boys do that. And it's that gender programming or just social conditioning that happens. And we, then we stop thinking about it when we, oh, okay, we do it this way. We do it that way. And then once you got it, you stop thinking about it. And then what happens is we take that programming into our adult lives and we never question it. We never, ever question it. And so it's interesting what happens when you kind of put a spotlight on these things and go, oh yeah, I was raised to not have any boundaries. How could that be negatively impacting my life today? 
oh yeah, I was raised to people please. Never really thought about it. I just took that on as part of my identity. But see, you were programmed to do that and you didn't have a choice in the matter. Another one I like to point out is this nice girl programming. I think most of us were programmed to be a nice girl. And what does that typically mean? Someone's making you feel uncomfortable. You don't make a stir. You don't want to come off as being uh, difficult or a brat or, you know, whatever the B word mean. And so we put on the smile, shake our head and be nice. And meanwhile, we're feeling uncomfortable. And so it's that conditioning that really I'm trying to set, sign a spotlight on is like, hey, let's take a look at these ways that we're programmed. It's coming. It's being passed along down the line. Here we are trying to evolve as women, right? And we are working against ourselves. Yeah, all these things are being opened up for us through DE&I and opportunities. As women, I think we, we hold ourselves back unconsciously due to these things that we were taught as young children that I think it's time for us to kind of take a look at and reprogram ourselves on. People talking about it, leaving with just this reframe and starting to take a look at, like I mentioned previously, just take a look at these behaviors that we do. When we hear stories, what I'm doing is through my keynote and in my book and everything, I share stories because I think we learn best through story. And so you can learn through a story and say, oh, wait, I just, I remember that story and that just happened to me. What, how am I reacting? And I just did that reaction that she talked about. Through those stories that people can start to kind of just look at their own actions, their own behaviors, their own beliefs and decide, oh, there that is. I remember hearing about that. Just really just bringing it into awareness so that those conversations can be had and then it creates personal transformation. And so ultimately my true uh, mission is to get the message out to as many women as I can, who then also help spread the message, you know, and then it has that ripple effect in the world. And ultimately we have more of a power balance. That's what I would like to see is, is that power balance. My goal is to get more women into leadership roles because we figure out how to be in our power at work. We can overcome the issues that plague women as we start to get to the top. At some point, you're the only woman in the room. Yeah, you get to the VP level, CEO level, you don't know any other females. Thankfully, that's starting to change a little bit. But what's happening is the statistics are showing that as women go up in the ranks, they tend to kind of fall back, unfortunately, sometimes, and we go backwards. And so that's what's happening right now is there's a lot of backwards action taking place because it's too stressful for women to figure out how to navigate that. And I feel like there's not enough tools. So my goal is to give the tools. I'm also currently in the process of, of launching the Powerful Women Network that will hopefully answer that problem, provide a safe network for women, ambitious women in particular, to network with other ambitious women, share our stories, share our accomplishments, because, you know, we are raised to not brag and not seem too full of ourselves, but we need to be celebrating our wins and have other women celebrate our wins. You know, I'm sad to say that even in my own, some of my own friends, they do not celebrate my wins with me. You know, I share them, they hey, I'm proud of my accomplishments. It's crickets, it's crickets. And it's very disheartening if women start to accomplish these things and in their own network of friends or family, they're not supported and encouraged. Women aren't programmed to do that for each other. And so what I wanna do is create this programming 
through powerful women so that women can feel safe and not only safe, but encouraged to share their accomplishments and, you know, so they can keep feeling supported as they rise up. So what, so that's what that looks like for me is women into more leadership roles in more boardrooms, high up in our political system so that we have women, not in a patriarchal system, but just women being female, being true women in their power, helping make decisions because I think that will have a massive effect on society as a whole, on our planet. Now, if anyone wants to get a hold of me, uh, the best place to start is my website, which is jenna-banks.com because there I talk about everything from my book to my speaking and you can get links to my social media networks on there. I'm on Instagram, Facebook, TikTok, LinkedIn, all of that. I'm pretty active on all those things. And then also there's a link to get my book. I love me more. It's on Amazon, Barnes and Noble, uh, Target and all that good stuff. And it's also an audio and ebook. I, I, I do narrate it myself, the audio book. So I encourage everyone to just come connect with me. Even if you don't get my book or anything like that, if you follow me on social, I share a lot of great content to kind of help you become aware of these, these social norms that I, I talk about. And thank you for helping spread this really important message. We need as many women as we can doing this work. So thank you. Thank you, Jenna. When I'm with you and from the moment I first met you, I started to feel more powerful myself because I can hear your voice inside my head reminding me that my power is my love and my love is my power. And it's not selfish to take care of self first. I recently heard a new friend, Dr. Joanna Martin, actually say, you have to be the most important person in your own life. And like you, I wasn't raised with that kind of message. It did sound selfish. I was told it was selfish. But I've come to learn that just like you, I can't have my maximum impact. I can't make the difference if I don't put myself in the center of my circle and take care of myself first. So I must love me more if I'm going to have enough love to spill over and love to the ones closest to me and let my light shine beyond. So Jenna, I thank you for your message. I know our audience here will want to get their hands on your book and they will want to tune in to any opportunity to hear you speak. So I hope you'll be letting us know so I can share with this community anytime you have a speaking engagement that they could sign up for a conference or a meeting or an opportunity to hear from you in person. Folks, this change-making work like what Jenna is doing is what Blue Roads Education is all about. It's helping women refocus their talents and shine most brightly so they can show up and take courageous action for change. If you're interested in learning more, we can help you to develop the 16 attributes that all changemakers have in common that fall within my Blue Roads Changemaker Journey Framework centered around my beingness, my doingness, my connectedness, and my reflectiveness. Because it's all about starting with ourselves, our most powerful selves, so that we have the energy and the wherewithal we need to do what we were put on earth to do by connecting with people different from ourselves so that we then have our maximum impact or influence by reflecting our positive messages out into the world. That's what Jenna Banks is doing and you can do it too. 
Check out our programs, our courses, our changemaker circles, and all that's going on at blueroadseducation.org. I hope to see you there. I hope to see you along the changemaker journey. And in the meantime, may you be grounded in your beingness, guided in your doingness, generous in your connectedness, and inspired in your reflectiveness, so you can change the world on your own terms. I'm Patty Talbot. I'm always learning, and I know you are too. Mm -hmm.